exciting on Easter, doesn't it? This is a celebration day. Today is not like every other day. And I think it's important that even though we do celebrate Jesus every single day, that we stop on a day like today and say, today is a celebration. It is not normal. It's like college graduation day, or, or maybe basic training graduation day for some of you, right? You know, that day isn't like every other day. It's not like freshman move-in day. It's not like the, the day your parents shipped you off and you knew somebody was gonna pick you up at Fort Jackson and take all your hair away. It's not like that day. It's not like the day where you crammed for an exam and you hoped you just passed. This is the day where we look back and you say, I'm never gonna have to see that teacher again. Did y'all translate that? This is the day we look back and say, I'm never gonna have to worry about that sin again because it is paid for, Jesus Christ, yes. That is what we celebrate on a day like today. This is not any other day. Can I just be honest, can I say this? This is our day. I mean, there are people that they still gotta go see that teacher again. There are people that don't know what they're doing with their sins. There are people that do not understand that when Jesus died and he rose again, it was for you. It was for me. Our lives will never be the same. This is our day. And our hope for you today here at Grace Life is that you experience what we celebrate every other day of our lives, but that something tangible happens. I pray that you experience the presence of God in this place. Amen, you guys with me? All right, well, go ahead and take your seats, man. I tell you what, it is such a great day. It's a great day in the kingdom of God. It's a great day here to worship him in this place. And uh, I, just, I just wanna say welcome to all of our guests, first time guests. I know we've already clapped for you, but we can do it again because we're so glad to have you guys worshiping with us. Those of you that are online, we wanna thank you for being here. We know that especially in this day and age, 2021, you could literally be worshiping anywhere and yet you have chosen to join us. We thank you for that. We pray the same thing for you when you're at home and that is that the presence of God overtakes wherever you are in this time that you can feel what we're feeling here in this place. Worship was anointed, wasn't it? You know what that word anointing means? Just divine enablement. God's just in it. And that's, that's what he is in our lives. God's just in it. I wanna ask you a question. Do, do you ever not ask a question sometimes simply because you know you're not gonna like the answer? Like sausage? You ever... You ever eaten sausage and you started to wonder? So you stopped wondering because you know you don't really want to know. I lived in Romania for about a year and a half. My wife is Romanian and one of the things they, they do, like their national thing, they've, they've got a thing called meech and it sort of looks like sausage links except here's the problem. It looks different everywhere you get it because people simply make this in their own homes and they take their grill, I kid you not. They take their grill and they just set up on the side of a road 
and they start cooking. And so you, you never have to be hungry. They didn't have a lot of restaurants. That's a whole part of the communist history there. So people would just set up a meat stand, which is literally a guy with his grill and a box. You wish were a cooler. <laughs> you wonder, what is the temperature? And, and you, you get a meat from that guy, and it looks like nothing like a meat from that guy. And you wonder, whose kitchen they made this stuff in? A more better question is, what animal does he no longer have? I never ate meat. I had a problem with questions I can't answer. The reason I'm asking you that question is because sometimes we sing songs and it kind of lends itself to a question that maybe we just don't want to ask because we're not sure we like the answer. You know, we sing them because we know they're inspiring and they're exciting and they're true, but every now and then there are lines of a song that we feel like, I know that's the way it's supposed to be, but that's not quite what I'm feeling day to day in my life. And we were singing one of those earlier. Matter of fact, the whole reason we sang that song earlier is because we sang this song a while back. And as we were singing it, God says, that's what we're gonna talk about on Easter. Because it kind of is the Easter message. If y'all were paying attention to that, I think we were singing that same power. Y'all remember that song? Same power crush the enemy. And that's why I can't do that well. Hey, Joe, help me out, bro. Sing that better in tune. Same power. There you go, man. That's what I'm talking about. Same power. He's good at that, isn't he? That crushed the enemy. I'll just let you sing. Same power. Same power. Same power lives in me. Same power. Yeah, come on. Same power. That crushed the See, that's one of those questions we don't like to actually ask. Because here's the problem. If you say yes, you know there's a little bit of a frustration when you get up on Wednesday and you feel like the power that crushed the enemy is actually crushing you. And we've all had those days. It's easy to sing the line, he's risen, he's risen. I mean, because that's a fact, that's true. But the one that talks about his power moving in me, we, we struggle. We don't want to ask that question sometimes. Because if we say yes, we know we're frustrated certain days. If we say no, then it sounds like there's some kind of a problem with our faith because Jesus said, you will do greater things than me. Anybody ever woke up on a Wednesday and wondered, Jesus, where is that? Well, that's what I want us to talk about today because what I believe God wants for you when we're finished, for those of you online, and when those of you in the room leave, is that not only will you believe it, but you'll start to see it and experience it. It will change how you live every other day of your lives. I'm gonna share a story with you. This is Jesus, a couple of days, moments actually. A couple of moments before he was crucified. It's in Matthew 26, if anybody wants to follow along with the word, it's gonna be right here on the screen for you. It says, Jesus went with them, those are the disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. So remain here and watch with me. You know, one of the strangest things about our, our faith and our belief is that Jesus was both fully God and fully man. He was not half of each. It's something that only God could do if God came in the flesh. It's a little bit of a mystery to us. 
But it's at moments like this, when we read this, we realize this is the fully man feeling. He knows what he's about to do, but he is feeling what he's about to go through. And so then he goes a little farther and he fell on his face and he prayed. And I could never do justice, but if you could just imagine the anguish. He goes, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. (laughs) But you know what? Not as I will, but as you will. And after praying that, he came back to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And, And then he rebuked them like, come on, guys. You've been with me. You've never seen me feel what I'm feeling now. Is that not enough clue for you to stay awake? When have you ever seen me in anguish? Come on, can't you stay awake? And he does this two more times, goes away and prays. Same question. Father, let this cup pass. But not what I want, what you want. If there's any other way, Whatever you want, but if there's any other way, he comes back and he finds him sleeping. He goes back, he prays it again. He gets the same answer for a third time. He comes back, he finds him sleeping. And so then he came to the disciples, is where we'll pick up the story again. And he said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. It's on. See, the hour is at hand. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners and rise. Let us be going. Because look who's coming here. See my betrayer, he's at hand. And so while he was still speaking, Judas came. Judas had been one of his 12 disciples and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. And now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I kiss is the man, seize him. And he came to Jesus at once and he said, greetings, rabbi, which means teacher. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, friend, Just do what you came to do. And then they came up, they laid hands on Jesus, and they seized him. And I don't know if you've ever thought about what that had to be like at that moment. Because Judas knows, Jesus knows. Y'all know what I'm saying? I mean, Judas knows that Jesus knows what he's up to. Jesus was the one earlier when they were taking of the Last Supper that said, just go do what is in your heart to do? And then Judas left. He had already told the disciples, one of you is gonna betray me. So Jesus already said, I know what you're doing. Judas knows that Jesus knows. And and check this out. Judas was there when Jesus called Lazarus and he came out of the tomb, so he knows he's got some power. Judas was watching when Jesus looked at the fig tree and cursed it and it withered before their eyes. I'm imagining that Judas has got to be terrified, like I've got to be strong. I've got to look strong because i got this mob behind me and they, they're following me like I know it all. But secretly inside, I'm thinking every step I take towards Jesus might be my last. When is he going to speak to me like he did that fig tree? I mean, come on, y'all. Judas had to be like just shaking inside. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this. Judas could not, I don't believe that any man could have done this by himself except the Bible tells us that Satan had entered into him. There was something else working. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and he he drew his sword and he struck the servant of the high priest and he cut off his ear. And then Jesus said to him, come on, man. 
Put your sword back in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? You know what Jesus was saying? Dude, don't you think I have all the power in the world? You can't even think beyond the world. I can think beyond the world. I've got all the power that exists to make this go down a different way if that's what needed to happen. Don't you think that I'm not in charge for one moment? Put that sword away. But then how should the scripture be fulfilled? If I called on that power, because it must be so, but if I called on that power, how would the scripture be fulfilled? See, we're singing about the same power that crushed the enemy, the same power that's living inside of you and me. And the truth is, when we look at this moment, the power of God is at work crushing the enemy. It just doesn't look like it. If you are watching this moment, the devil thinks he's winning. The disciples think Jesus is losing. Like, it just doesn't look like it's supposed to look. But the reality is the, the power of, of crushing the enemy was so at work. Have you ever heard of one of those great comeback stories like the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl and somebody talks about, you know, one of those amazing comebacks? You know you can't have an amazing comeback if you're not down. So here's the thing. You can't come back from the dead if you're not dead. You see, Jesus didn't come just to live on the earth. Jesus came to conquer death, the power of death, the power of sin in our lives, to crush the enemy. And what that means is he had to die. It looked like the power of God was not at work, but oh, the power of God was so at work. This is why Jesus had to be taken captive. It's why Jesus had to go through a sham trial of an innocent man. You ever wondered why Jesus stayed quiet during that trial? You ever read that and it said Jesus wouldn't answer their questions, he wouldn't speak back? Have you ever wondered why Jesus had to be quiet? Because Jesus was the embodiment of the word of God. Nothing came out of him except for truth and wisdom. If he opened his mouth, out came truth and wisdom. It would have been like, it would have been, not like, it would have been having the absolute best and most perfect defense attorney on your side. He had to stay quiet because he was innocent. And any word out of his mouth would have proven it. So he couldn't speak because he had to be captured. He had to be convicted. He had to be killed. You think the power of God wasn't work? 700 years earlier, it was spoken over him that he would remain silent like a lamb led to the slaughter. That's why it had to happen. Didn't look like it, but the power is at work. He had to die. And crucifixion was the method of the day. And here's the problem with crucifixion probably the worst human death we have ever created in all of our history of all of the things that we've done upon the earth. It was the most horrific. That's why the Romans used it. Because see, if you've ever thought about the crucifixion, if you've ever seen one of the movies like The Passion of the Christ, you think, well, what killed them was obviously an injury. You know, they, they had nails and spikes driven through their wrist and through their feet. Actually, that didn't kill them. You may think, well, then that created blood loss and blood loss killed them. That didn't kill them. Because that actually wouldn't have been the most horrific death. What they actually made them do, what killed them was like drowning, but not underwater. You see, the crucifixion, you died by suffocation. You couldn't breathe. And just in the position that they nailed you to the cross, you had to lift yourself up because it pulled on your lungs and you couldn't get a breath unless you pushed yourself up. But that meant that you were pushing against the nails that were in your feet. 
And so it became a battle over time between the exhaustion of pushing against such pain in order to just barely get a... It was the battle between the pain and the exhaustion and the need for a breath. And so in most cases, death by crucifixion took hours and in some cases days. It was until they ran out of air, until they finally said, that breath isn't worth this pain. I'm too exhausted to get just one more. Now here's the problem for Jesus. He was crucified and nailed to that cross just hours before the Sabbath began. And in Israel, for a Jew, the Sabbath was a really big deal. It still is to this day. If you go to Israel today, you can't even turn on a light switch on the Sabbath. Back then, you couldn't start a fire. There were so many things you couldn't do. And definitely one of the things you could not do is take a dead man off of a cross, prepare him for burial, and put him away. And nobody wanted to see these bodies hanging up there longer. They knew they were going to die after the Sabbath began, which was at sundown, maybe into the night, maybe the next morning. But nobody would be able to do anything about it. And so they actually went to the people in charge, and they said, here's what we need to do. We need to break their legs, because then they won't be able to push up. They won't get another breath. Break their legs. Again, the injury doesn't kill them. Even breaking of the legs doesn't kill them. What kills them is they'll never breathe again. And they'll suffocate right there. And so they went. Two criminals were crucified with Jesus that day, came to the first one. They broke his legs. He breathed his last. They went to the next. They broke his legs. He breathed his last. They went to Jesus, and he was dead. Because of the power of God to crush the enemy was already at work. You see? Jesus said, it is finished. He had no need once he did everything that God had called him to do. And he said, it is finished. He was done. He didn't go for another breath. He didn't continue in this human agony and pain. He proved that he had power over what the enemy was doing because when he was done, it was done. And when they came to break his legs, he was already dead. There was no need to break his legs, which once again, the power of God was at work because 1,000 years before this moment, it was prophesied that they would not break one of his bones. Come on, somebody. Do we not see the power of God working even when things don't look like it's working? Which is the whole point to today's message. Because quite often, what God is doing and what it looks like is happening are not the same thing, not even close. The power of God was so at work that day. It didn't look like it. The devil thought he had it. The disciples thought he was losing. All the followers thought he was losing. Mary was there crying. She had just been given a new son, one of the disciples to take care of her. Jesus had said, take care of my mom. I mean, everybody watching. And then he gets put into a tomb. <laughs> only to not stay there. How cool is that? Come on. Because see, here's the thing. At, at that moment, though, everybody is thinking, but we thought, but surely. And he didn't come down off the cross because, see, God had a different plan. And the plan was 
Instead of proving that power right there that day and rescuing Jesus that day, he would rescue Jesus three days later. In between, he would conquer death, he would conquer sin, and he would take you and me out of that tomb with him for all of eternity. I think that's pretty cool. I hope you do too. The power of God was so at work. It just doesn't always look like it. And that's the point. Because as a pastor, I can't tell you how many times I have seen somebody, sadly, I've watched people talk to me and say, I I used to believe, I used to go to church. But see, then I asked God for something and it didn't, he didn't answer that prayer. I'm, I'm just not sure that God answers prayer or he loves me or he has the power. Or people will say, well, you know, things, look at what's going on around me. Look at what's going on around you. How could God? What God is doing and what it looks like is happening, those aren't always the same. Matter of fact, I, last time I was in Israel, just a couple years ago, I got the privilege of going down into the cell where they held Jesus that night. It's kind of like a hole. It's got some bars up above but it's like a hole in the basement of the high priest house. It's pretty small, only a few of us could go down at a time. And as we went down, I mean, it's a pretty somber moment when you realize I'm standing where my Savior went to die for me. And I was thinking, what what must this have felt like? And I wanna tell you, Jesus absolutely felt every minute of the emotion. As he had already started to tell his disciples when he was praying, my soul is sorrowful. Because see, here's what he knew. He knew that he was getting ready to pay for all of the sins of mankind, history and future. And so he knew that there would come a moment, we read it in another part of the story, that as the sins of the world were placed upon him on the cross, that he would feel something he had never felt before and would never feel again. And that is separation from the Father. Matter of fact, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because see, sin can have no fellowship with the Father. When Jesus took that on him, it was the first time that he felt something separating him from the Father he had never felt before. He knew that in just a few hours, he would be out of that cell and experiencing that. He felt the emotion, but I'm gonna tell you something As I stood in that cell and I thought, man, if I were here, I would feel scared to death. It was was pretty freaky. I thought, I'll feel kind of trapped. I thought, I would definitely feel powerless. And, And although Jesus felt emotion, let me tell you something he didn't feel. Never for one minute did he feel powerless. See, the power of God had been at work every moment, every moment of this, ever since it began, every step of the way. From the time they were back sitting and having a, a meal and Jesus said, Judas, go do what you gotta do. His, the power of God was at work all along the way. Jesus was, I, I can just imagine him thinking all these, these guards are standing there and they're mocking him and they're making their comments and Jesus is like, you fools, you know the only reason I'm in this hole because I hadn't chosen to walk out. I mean, they're thinking that like they're in charge. It's because it looks like the power of God isn't at work. And that's where the problem comes for you and me sometimes because we, we see and, and what, what it looks like to us and so we sing a song like that and, and we kind of struggle. Well, God, I don't know that I can sing that, God, because I don't see that same power in me. I, I just wanna ask you a question. What do we need to see 
in order to believe that that same power lives in me? I mean, answer that question for yourself. What do you need to see? Because I can tell you, if it were up to me to do exactly what I wanted, the way I wanted, and, and, and most of the time what we need to see is to be able to speak and just make anything go our way. The first thing I would have done is woke out of that jail cell. I would have been like, well, you know, God, you got a plan for my life. It's not lining up with my plan for my life because my plan for my life does not include an immediate death with holes in my body. So just sorry. That's what we would have done. You see, if we saw the power working in us the way we think it should, do you realize how far from the will of God we would get? I can tell you some of the things, I, I would do the most foolish things, and some of you would too, so don't you laugh at me, but one of the first things I would do if, if I needed to see that kind of power working in my life is I would kill spiders. I would absolutely kill every spider that ever existed <laughs> upon the earth. I hate them. I don't know why they exist. I don't like flies either, but that's another conversation. Spiders are ugly. Some of them are like fuzzy. <laughs> they have eight legs, and I've only got two. And in order to stomp them, I've got to stand on one, which means it is now a one to eight ratio. <laughs> Come on, somebody knows what I'm talking about. There are men in here that actually asked their wife to kill spiders for them, so don't y'all be laughing at me. I've heard some of your stories. I'm not gonna call you out right now just for the record because it's Easter. I'm gonna let you have your dignity. But I'm not alone in hating spiders. And the point is I've been told they're important to the ecosystem. They matter. But you know what? I don't care. I would kill them anyway. <laughs> By that same power. You spiders are dead, man. That's the way that would work. I'd be walking around. Woo! Same power. You'd be dead, right? Now, here's the real problem that we would have. What happens when my need to see the same power is opposite of your need to see the same power. Here's what I mean. I had a friend of mine invite me over to dinner. This was about 15, no, a little more than that, about 20 years ago. And he invites me over to dinner. He says, hey, man, I gotta show you something. And he opens up the door to his office, and the door to his office is lined with shelves about this far apart, and they got little plastic boxes on them like this. He had over 100 tarantulas. The man collected spiders. I would have walked into that room. <laughs> Same power, whoosh! And if it were up to us, he would have gone back at me and the same. I mean, we would have gotten into like one of those Avengers Infinity War kind of moments. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on, how many Avengers fans in here y'all know? Because y'all are gonna understand the rest of this sermon a whole lot better than everybody else. All right, look, because this matters, I promise Avengers matters right now. Y'all need to catch this up. For those of you that are not into this, way back before I was born, there was a comic strip a Marvel comic strip, and it had superheroes in it. It's gotten turned into movies lately. But these superheroes are so powerful that they, they're on the verge of being all-powerful. And so after a series of movies to make a whole lot of money, they decided, we're gonna end this thing with a bang. We're gonna make everybody fight everybody. And so there was this one called Infinity War where you got all of the good guys trying to fight a bad guy, but the bad guy's power just keeps growing to a point it looks like he has truly become all-powerful. And they just keep fighting each other and fighting each other and fighting each other and fighting each other. And like you just knock a guy down by slamming him halfway around the world. He bounces off the moon and comes back. I don't know if that's the exact scene, but you get my point. And in all honesty, I mean, I love the Avengers, but it got a little exhausting to watch because I'm just thinking, what's ever gonna bring an end to this? 
Like, you're powerful, you're powerful, you're powerful. You just keep doing your thing back and forth. And it hit me at that moment. I knew I'd preach about it someday. I realized this doesn't just come down to power. So they set up the sequel. I said, when we get to see the sequel, we're gonna find out there was something that was going on because just a fight between my idea of power and your idea of power, that's never gonna get the job done. And funny enough, just to prove the world ain't got nothing on God, spoiler alert, too bad, y'all's fault, movie's old. <laughs> they figured out that if one who was all-powerful looked like he was dying for the cause to defeat the enemy. Humans ain't got nothing compared to what God's got. Not even our best imaginations. And that's the real question for us. It's what, what do we really want to see to believe that that same power is in you and me? So, yeah, that power is not there so that you can deem yourself the next winner of the HGTV dream home. See, that's, that's what you think. When you sing that song and say, this doesn't work. What we mean by that is I can't just walk around and deem my life to be perfect like I'm my own genie out of my own bottle. That's, that's where our struggle comes in. Like you're driving through traffic and some aggressive driver cuts you off because they're in a hurry to do whatever it is they're doing and you just wanna smite them with a lightning bolt right then and there. And you can't. And probably because there's a good chance I was that driver because I've already confessed my aggressive driving to you. So, And God wants me to preach next week, which is why you can't call a lightning bolt down on that guy because it could be me. So here's what I know. What I know is that what you want, truly want, what you want the most of anything and everything is also what God wants for you. Because see, what I know that you truly want more than the dream home is peace in your home. You guys know what I'm saying? What you truly want more than smiting a bad driver is smiting the devil. Young people, what you truly want more than being with that person is to be with the right person for the rest of your life. Come on. You see, what we really want is to lay our head on our pillow, not afraid to go to sleep because of the nightmares that show up every night. That's what we truly want. What we truly want is to wake up one day and not feel like there's no reason to get out of bed. What we truly want we truly want is to know that we are loved and accepted by God because after all, it's only the devil who tells us that we're not. What we truly want is to know that our life matters because it's only the devil who tells us that it doesn't. What we truly want is to stop doing the things that we do that we hate that we do. What we truly want is to start doing the things that we know that God has for us. What we truly want is to crush the power of the enemy inside of us and that's the very same thing that God wants for us. That is what we sing about. We don't sing about Winning the dream home. We sing about the same power to crush the enemy. Because he's got a plan. And God's plan is better and bigger. And what I hope you take away 
from today. If I could, I just want to take you back 2,000 years because I've, I've often tried to wonder what it would be like to be there on Saturday. And Friday was just an emotional roller coaster. Some witness, as Jesus was on this trial, you watched as different leaders from Pilate, back and forth. Somebody, of course, come on, he's the Messiah. Somebody, of course, is gonna change this. So you're, oh, no, he's back. Now he's gonna let the crowd vote. I'm sure the crowd, I mean, come on, they they were there when they ate some of the fish that he made out of juice. What, all of a sudden, 5,000, I mean, come on. The crowd, they're gonna, no, 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 the crowd didn't. Man, come on, God, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna do this? Come on. I just know, I just know, I just know it's gonna change. And you're excited, and then not. And then you're excited, and then not. But then finally, they nail him to a cross. And you hear one of the criminals say, come on, man, you're the son of God. You just get down off this and take us with you. And you're that's right, that's what he's gonna do. Finally, finally, we're about to see it, it's gonna happen. And then they come to break his legs, but they don't even have to because he's already dead. And you hit the lowest of lows. But then you wake up on Saturday of the yes and the no, yes and the no, and you're just numb. Just don't even feel. You'd spent three years following this man around the known world, and you'd watched people come out of tombs, and yet, He's in his own. You spend all day Saturday just going, what? I, I, I don't get it. Why, God? I don't get it. I don't get it. You know what the best trick of the enemy is? get you and me to live like it is Saturday for the rest of our lives. See, that's what he wants. He wants you to remember the time that you got saved and you were all excited, but then you kind of had that bad day. But then you took a step of faith and God showed up and answered a prayer, but then God didn't answer that other prayer. And you've been doing this and ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. And then finally you get into something and it looks like there's no answer. And it looks like the devil is winning and you are this close to just saying, God, I think I was wrong about whether or not this was all real. What the devil wants is for you and me to spend the rest of our lives thinking Saturday is still here. Sunday never came. So what I want and hope for each of us is that when we're finished worshiping here in a few moments, is that you will know, that you will believe what God is doing and what it looks like is happening. Even if it looks like Saturday, those aren't the same thing because Jesus Christ is alive because Sunday did come, because he did walk out of that tomb and because you and I are forgiven and because you and I do have eternal life. 
Because you and I not only have life in heaven in the future, but Jesus said, I came that they would have life and they would have abundantly. That means that right now, today, whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you're struggling with, the power of God to crush the enemy is inside of you. And whatever the plan is for the enemy, you and I have the power to see that come to an end. Come on, is anybody excited about that? Because that is what this day is all about. And my hope and my prayer for every one of you is that you stop believing the lie that your life is trapped in Saturday over, over, and over. And in fact, I just wanna encourage you and, and even challenge if you'll let it be the word. When you look in the mirror and you look at your life and you just think, come on God, what? I don't get it. You just remind the enemy Sunday came before and you believe God for Sunday coming in your life as well. Whatever it is that you need from God, would you just right now do, do this with me? Everybody think of what it is you need in your life. What is the enemy after? What has he been doing? Has he been, been tormenting you with nightmares? Is it what you think? Is it, is it about something in your faith? Is this, what, what is it that's going on? And I want you to take that right now and I want you to put that before God. Would you all, would you, would you do that with me? And say, God, I've got this one thing I need to see you do that will change my Saturday into my Sunday. Can I pray for that for you? God, I pray right now for every person worshiping in this room or online. God, whatever it is that the enemy wants to use to make us think that you're not powerful, that you're not here, that you won't show up, that it'll be Saturday forever, I pray right now that you will do a miracle, that you will bring healing, that you'll restore, that you will make whole what is broken. God, that you'll do whatever needs to be done to crush the enemy because you put that power in us. And my prayer today is that just as we celebrate your son, just as the gift of salvation, that you'll just, you'll just give everybody a gift of experiencing that power right there, right now. If you'll just stay in a place of prayer, I need to correct one thing that I've been preaching all day because all day I've been saying that same power is in you. That same power is in you. We sing it. The same power is in me. But I need you to know that's not true for everybody. See, the truth is that same power is only in you by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's why he said you'll do greater things than me. And the spirit of Jesus Christ is only in those who have traded the life they were living for the one that he got for them when he walked out of that tomb. The forgiveness that he got when he died on that cross for you. So if you want that same power in your life and you don't have it now because you have never surrendered your life to making Jesus your king, I wanna help you do that right now, wherever you are, simply say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now, I wanna live for you. I thank you that you have loved me. I thank you that you have forgiven me. And my simple prayer here today, that you will fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Everybody help me celebrate with those people. Come on. Amen.